The Way Out Podcast, episode 202. I got sober back in um, August 11th of 2011. I had attempted sobriety before in AA, but I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. Um, it didn't work, not because of that, but because I wasn't working a program. Um, and so now I'm in CA. Cocaine Anonymous just works better for me. After I got sober, I started writing and, and um, you know, and got went back to school and got a job in marketing. And so I've been writing marketing stuff ever since. And now I'm a freelance writer. I really wanted to stop smoking weed. That's all I had down there in Texas at the time. And I couldn't stop. And it was just mind boggling. I'm like, how can I not stop weed? Um, and I, I fell to my knees and I prayed and I was crying because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it and I knew I was going to do it. And when that happened, I'm getting chills, like just saying it again. When that happened, um, immediately like a light switch, uh, the desire to use went away. And it was, it was not, it was like that. I knew I no longer wanted it. But eventually I, I relapsed gets really bad again and then more bizarre things happen my brother gets sick my parents are out of town i take him to the hospital and they say he's got a heart infection his heart is inflamed if he even survives this he's going to need a heart transplant and so my parents race back um you know i'm stealing needles out of this hospital room i'm stealing money out of my dying brother's wallet so I can go get dope and try to figure how, out how I can shoot up. Everyone's around and basically the gist of it is everyone sees what's really going on with me. They just saw the total insanity and how bad I had truly become and that my parents are very, you know, I, I guess they just didn't see it. I don't know. Maybe they're in denial. Maybe they truly didn't see what was going on, but they saw it then and I got into rehab. Um, and after I got into rehab, I was, as soon as I got off Suboxone, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified I was gonna relapse and I never wanted to go back ever again. I grabbed a sponsor in there. Um, he came in and spoke and um, at this rehab I was in and it just blew me away. And I came to him and he said, okay, I want you to, I want you to read the big book a little bit. And I said, man, I've read that book. I have read that book. I need to do this. I am like, I got to start some steps before I walk out of here. Cause I, if I don't, when I walk out that door, I'm going to go get high. It's going to be against my will. And I don't know what's going to happen after that. Right. And, and I don't want to know. And I really thought there was something wrong with my brain. And then I got sober and I started to have emotions again and to care about things. And it was like, man, I feel so bad about what, what I think. But I was like, said, I was like, thank God I have guilt. Thank God I have shame because I thought, I thought I'm just a horrible thought you weren't capable of that anymore. Yeah. His heart completely healed and they like wrote a case study on it because they couldn't wow. believe how well this device had worked. And, wow. um, and so I look back and I'm like, the only thing that really, the only true like, consequence of that is that I got sober when that happened. Um, you know, it like, it, it changed my life. It really did. Um, because when it, it was like, it was something that I needed to hold on to. Um, when I, when I was in rehab, it was something that I needed to hold on to desperately because I very much needed there to be, I needed God so bad in there because I was so terrified. Welcome way out faithful and first timers to this week's installment of the way out podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple, 
to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out podcast partners with All Recovery Rings and allrecoveryrings.com, where you'll find stunning recovery rings made from your very own recovery coin. That's allrecoveryrings.com. The Way Out podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous, online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Every week, we'll be asking for your thoughts on next week's topic. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Finally, a word of caution. This podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and in this edition of The Way Out Podcast, the best co-host in the business has an exceptional discussion with writer and person in long-term recovery, Adam Fout. Adam's journey to recovery, like many of ours, begins in fits and starts before it takes hold in a way that's meaningful and enduring. Relapse is a part of many of our stories, and truly we can learn from them and use what we experienced when the next window of recovery opportunity presents itself. Adam's window flew open with the undeniable help of the hand of God himself when his brother fell gravely ill, and with the push he needed from those that loved him most. What Adam did with that opportunity is the stuff that universally makes recovery possible and indeed sustainable. In the genuine and authentic manner in which Adam relays his God-inspired, hope-filled, and wisdom-bearing story is nothing short of compelling. So listen up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Way Out Podcast. I'm your trusty co-host, Jason, and I'm here today with Adam Fout. How you doing, Adam? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm just fantastic, sir. <laughs> uh, what, why don't you give yourself a brief introduction to the audience? Let sure. us know, like, how long have you been clean? What, what, uh, what modality of recovery do you use? to Mm -hmm. continue your sobriety sure so uh i got sober back in um august 11th of 2011 
So coming up, yeah, in a few days, I'll have nine years. Um, Oh, shit. No fronts, buddy. No fronts. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. Um, exactly. but I, so I, um, I had attempted sobriety before in AA, but I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. Um, it didn't work not because of that, but because I wasn't working a program. Um, and so now I'm in CA cocaine anonymous just works better for me. Um, and yeah, so, um, after I got sober, I started writing and, and, um, you know, and got, went back to school and got a job in marketing. And so I've been writing marketing stuff ever since. And now I'm a freelance writer. Hell yeah, dude. Nine years is a long ass time, man. I know. Right. It's, it's now equal to how long I was using. No shit. It's weird. That's like a cool, cool kind of like set aside milestone you know what i mean like right now i have actually like been consistently sober in my adult life as long as i used right holy shit yeah that's gonna take me a while to get to that one buddy (laughs) i just cleared four years i just got four years myself thank you and it was um uh, it was odd i was out of state i was on a vacation Mm -hmm. and i was um i was really like I don't know, like sensitive and emotional that day Mm -hmm. for a while in the afternoon. And I couldn't put my finger on what the fuck was wrong with me. (laughs) And, uh, Mm -hmm. but you know, I found a, me and my friend, we found a meeting out there in uh, Murphy, North Carolina, and it was a NA meeting and there was mostly old timers, man. And they must've been, you can tell there was a lot of like clean time in that room. Uh, Right. Yeah, and got my clean time there. And, you know, it's like my sponsor says, I, I went limping in and I came skipping out. You know, I felt great after <laughs> that meeting. And I was like, I just don't That's know. Awesome. It It was lifted for me. But I think it's uh, sure. my sister was saying she thinks that it was something about, uh, you know, like learning to like deal with good things, you know, like or how to sure. take it, you know, like. Yeah. She's like, I think you just still don't know how to take that kind of stuff, you know, like yeah. the, here comes a day and it was not only my clean date, but it's also my birthday is my clean date. So, Oh um, wow. Yeah. That's you're cool. getting all this praise and, and love and right. stuff from people. And it's like, uh, you know, people are telling you all these good awkward. things about you and you're thinking, right. <laughs> something inside of you is just fucking is going, mm, yeah. I don't know. I, I was feeling well, really you, weird. Well, you remember all the bad shit you've done, you know? And it's like, man, I feel like, you know, I used to steal, I used to sell drugs. I used to do all these horrible things. And to hear people say nice stuff, it's almost like, like, is that really who I am? Right. Yeah. I know, especially in the first two years of my recovery, it was like, I'm always waiting for the fucking next shoe to drop or, Mm -hmm. you know, when's the bad stuff's going to come? Cause it's been going too good. In my experience, when shit starts going good, then something really bad is going to happen. Same. Yeah, it's weird. But, man, nine years, though, dude, uh, premature. But I'm I'm, I'm taking the <laughs> risk here that I'm going to say congratulations. Thank uh, you. As if you've accomplished it. I think I'll it. make it. Yeah, you haven't <laughs> accomplished it yet, though, buddy. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> so let's uh, – I'm going to kind of turn it – turn it over to you here, give you, uh, the floor, Mm -hmm. you know, I might interject here and there and, 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 you know, it'll be a conversation, but definitely want to, want to give you the, 
open the floor to you, let you start digging in here and um, yeah, no, no uh, real guidelines. I'm not going to put, sure. put a guideline on you. Just share from your heart what you want to share, man. And uh, you know, share as much or as little of your story as you choose to share, but we definitely want to want to learn about you today. So let's hear. It. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I was, uh, I was born in California at a very young age. It's like my favorite joke ever. Yeah, so it was like the youngest age. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, you know, life was, was pretty good. Both my parents are attorneys. Um, and life was good, basically, if you would look at it from the outside. Um, and on the inside, it looked good for, you know, like, inside the home. I mean, I had brothers. We mostly got along. I mean, we would fight like brothers fight, but nothing serious. Um, my parents were always around. Um, we moved a couple times um, to Nevada and then back to California and then eventually to Kansas where I went to high school. Um, but during that time, I just always had something – I just was always felt like something was wrong, man. And from a young age, I felt inside, I did not feel okay, despite the fact that my home life was okay, despite the fact that my parents were loving and, you know, always around, um, there was, there was something that was wrong. And I can look back now and say, I probably had depression and I probably had that hole in my soul for since, I don't know, I was probably like seven or eight. Like I just was always off. Um, and I was really overweight. So there was a lot of bullying that was going on. And when, you know, when you're the new kid, there's bullying going on. And, you know, this is back in, um, you know, this is back in the late eighties, early nineties. So it's not like it is today where, you know, there's all kind of people just drop it down on the kids. They, they kind of put a stop to that as best they can. Um, so it was, and again, it wasn't anything horribly, but vi- there was no real violence. Um, it was just, you know, I just always felt shitty basically i just always felt i was depressed and i just didn't know what that meant um and so when i moved to kansas uh i got particularly depressed (laughs) because now i'm 14 i thought i was going to go to high school with all my friends um i don't know anyone i moved to the middle of nowhere topeka kansas um which is they have um the one thing that i always remember there is they've got fred phelps uh, the guy who goes and protests at military funerals, um, and has, yeah, dude, you, look him up sometime. The Westboro Baptist church, they okay. would go and protest. Uh, what, yeah, dude, it's horrible. So we, in like, we would drive around when I got a license and, um, there'd be these people on the sidewalk with signs that say horrible things like God hates gays, except they use an F word. Um, they'd have little kids out there with them. So I'm like, where have I moved? I was in California and now I'm in this place where people are dropping N bombs left and right. It's really bizarre. And, um, you know, I'd never, I'd never been around that kind of like hatred like that before. And, um, it, it was odd. Um, and then, you know, I went to this religious school, my parents were non-religious, but we looked at, I was honestly, I was terrified of going to the public schools there. Cause I knew nobody and I was just scared. I was, and I realized looking back how much fear I had throughout my whole childhood, I was just scared of everything. Um, and I started using in high school when I was about 17, I met this girl online. Um, she was about three hours away and I decided she was the love of my life. Um, and, uh, she, you know, smoked weed and her uncle who was like, I don't know, like four years older than us. 
um, he smoked weed with us and that was a spiritual experience. I had never up to that point because all those inhibitions were at, you know, it's, it's so cliche, right. But all those inhibitions were just lifted and I had never experienced anything like that in my life. And it, it was like, I'm so normal feeling right. normal fears. Um, fears gone. The depression is gone. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I've arrived just like it says in the big book. Right. And I feel right. like I've arrived. Um, and so that very quickly got out of hand. Um, I believe that I'm the type of person who is just primed and ready. And I just need the substance introduced to my body as it went from in about a month, I was smoking every day. Um, you know, it was, it got bad, uh, fast. I start once I started drinking, it was drinking as often as I could drinking before school. Um, you know, my grades obviously went down. I didn't care about that. I, instead of trying to go to good colleges and my parents were well off, you know, so I always had this monetary support. I never had to worry about money. Um, and looking back, I was super ungrateful for that. Oh, yeah. um, because it'll and it extended I'm sure it extended my disease because I could just you know run to mom and dad and ask for money and so when I was 20 I got into opiates oxycontin and I now had a new love of my life um, because that was it was just like un, unlike anything I'd ever done and that's when things really went off the rails um, and between the ages of 20 and about 24 um, while I was in Kansas. So it was only about four years, but things got really bad. I started, uh, I couldn't afford it even with money coming in from mom and dad. So I'm selling Oxy, I'm selling Coke. And it's, it's not like I'm a, this big dealer, right? Because I just use all the product. I right. can barely stay up. So, you know, so I'm just like, yeah. it's just me selling to like six other college kids. You know? I can relate to that. Um, I always think, yeah. you know, it sounded like such a bright idea in my head. Like I can yeah. use for free and make money. Uh, <laughs> well, really, I mean, I was lucky if I was even like using for mm-hmm. free usually. Yeah. You know, it always yeah, ended same. up where I'm like, okay, like half of this is going to be mine and then I'll sell the other half <laughs> in the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I saw a quarter of it. Yeah. So ridiculous. <laughs> if I'm lucky. Yeah. It really was. It was crazy. It was just insanity. Um, and, you know, I started collecting DUIs. Um, you know, I was failing at college. After like seven years of college, I finally gave up. I'm lying to my parents about dropping out of college. Um, and it's just all this bad behavior. And in between that, you know, there's lots of sleeping around. There's lots of cheating on my girlfriends. There's lots of, you know, um, and at the time, I, I'm also in Overeaters Anonymous um, and I'm also in, uh, sex and love addicts anonymous. I got too many programs, man. Um, oh, because it, it, I'm, I'm a firm believer, <laughs> man. I, I, I recover yeah. like I did my using, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a buffet style recovery, man. I, sure. I, I like to pull out of every pond I can find and yeah, dude, I think that's Smart. amazing and that's really good. Yeah, it, I know it is. And it's, it's just, you know, I remember when I was like, I have to give up food, man. It's like, God took my dope. He took my, I had to give up coffee. And it's like, you're going to take my food now. And at least I'm married. You can't take all the sex from me, you know, right. it's like, geez, man. Um, but you know, it's just part of the fight we, we go through with all these things. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to mm-hmm. give up. Um, but yeah, it got, it got really bad. What's that? Just leave me one crutch. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Just one. Yeah, <laughs> I something. think video games are all I have left now. 
that's that's I'm sure they'll become a problem it is, <laughs> I, it is dude it totally is um but yeah things got bad in kansas um and it became a situation where i moved in with this other drug dealer right bright idea you sell drugs i sell drugs let's sell them together uh that did not go well Well, um we ended up getting i know right and we're gonna roll the streets yeah i know such a joke such a joke um and we ended up getting raided by the kansas bureau of investigation Mm. and i was like we couldn't even get the fbi we get the get the (laughs) shitty kbi (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck is the kbi (laughs) yeah i know i know i was like they're like kansas bureau of investigation i'm like they got a gun at me i'm like what i don't even know what that is never heard of you guys (laughs) that's not on tv Uh, I know, right? And uh, I always tell people it was just like getting robbed. They came in, they took my money, they took my drugs, they took my gun, and then they left. And um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me um, because it broke this cycle of basically I would take the rent money my parents would would send me, which I insisted, right, come in a check, um, and that they not pay directly to the rent. I would go and buy pills with that at this from this guy who didn't know what they were worth, and then. I would sell them and that was the only way I'd stay afloat with the same basically $1,800 flipping every month after month after month. And, uh, they took all the money and that was kind of the end of it. Um, thank God, thank God. Um, as it was going downhill fast. And, um, after that things really fell apart, I became suicidal. Um, and so I started collecting things to kill myself. I was like, you know, I'm going to get a gun. I'm going to blow my head off because I've got this huge, I don't even know what. They didn't arrest me. They didn't say anything. They said, you know, don't call us. We'll call you. And I'm like, Jesus, what is, this is horrible. Um, and I just thought my life was over. Um, right. And so I, I go and get this gun. I go and get uh, a lot of pills because I'm terrified of, you know, screwing it up um, and like blowing half my head out and becoming a vegetable. And, um, and so I, I get ready to do it, but my girlfriend, I have no car because I've crashed it in a DUI, in the last DUI I had. And, uh, she knows what I'm doing cause she's driving me around and she knows I'm depressed. And right. so she just doesn't leave and I won't do it while she's there. Of course. Well, right. you know, I wasn't, I just couldn't do that to her. Um, and, uh, basically she stayed there until all the drugs were gone. And then I like, I was like, well, I can't do it now. I don't have enough to make sure. Um, which again, I'm like so blessed that she was in my life at that time. Right. Um, as if I'd been alone, I, I, I don't know what I'd probably not be alive. Um, and then, and that was kind of the rock bottom. Um, and cause after that, my parents got involved. Um, you know, they, they found out that I was, I called them while I was like high and told my mom that I, my, I had been raided and I was like, Oh no, it was my friend. And I'm like, I don't even know why I did that, but they came down. My dad came down and got me from, uh, he came from Texas and I moved to Texas and I lived there for, um, about six months still using all I could get was weed. And I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. It did. It just didn't do it for me anymore. Oh, um, your brain's like, then I found what I want. I know, but it's like, this is, I'm going to keep doing this. That's for sure if this is all I can get um, and drinking and stuff. And then I finally got introduced to the program because um, I had another suicide attempt. And I consider that first one an attempt because I was basically there. 
Um, and so I, I went back to Kansas to visit my girlfriend. I was still very depressed. Um, I, I had a handful of oxy that I bought with money I stole from her in an envelope I knew she had. And, uh, you know, we were in an argument and I just, I just did it. Like I ate all these pills and, um, you know, I, it was a really bizarre experience and looking back, it is a time where I am very clear that God was working in my life, like 100% clear that my higher power saved me. Um, so the way it went was I ate all these pills in front of her. I knew it was enough to kill me. Um, and at that point I was like, this is what I want. And I was like, what, (laughs) but I'm bored. What am I going to do for the next 45 minutes? And that was literally the insanity of my brain. Like I can't just sit around for 45 minutes. I got to find something to do before I die. (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) To kill the time. And thank God, I guess. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I don't know why that was funny, but it's my sense of humor. (laughs) It's a dark humor. I like it. Um, And, um, you know, it was, so I, I was like, and thank God I was bored because it saved my life. So I, I walk out of this apartment because we just had this argument and I have um, these Bluetooth headphones and I have my iPhone, which was like brand new at the time. Um, and I'm like, um, okay, I'm going to listen to some nine inch nails while I go out. Um, and I've got the song, you know, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to listen to discipline and it's going to be awesome. And I, um, I look at, I turn on my headphone. I know. Right. It's like, so it's, it's so like emo. And, uh, and so I'm like, I'm like, uh, I look at my, um, headphones and they die and I'm like, shit. Okay. And then I remember, I'm like, oh yeah, the iPhone has this little speaker on it. So I'll just play it on this speaker and that'll be fine. And I pull out my iPhone and I remember this, my iPhone was really specific when it died in terms of how much battery life it had. It was always like, it was always at 2%. As long as I'd had the thing, it would die at 2%. And I remember I pull out my phone, I look at it and it had 5%. And I think to myself, perfect. That's just enough time. And as that thought goes through my head, the damn thing dies. And I just couldn't believe it. And of course I can't go back up into the apartment because I just argued and I'm like, okay, well, fuck. And so instead of sitting down, I was going to sit down in the snow because it was like January or something and just die. Um, and instead I walked past the alley. I don't know why that's that. funny to me. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, this is what I'm going to do now when I die. Yeah. I'm going to go sit in the snow and die. <laughs> right. I know. It's just, to, it was just total bizarre thinking. You know? I do. I, like, I, I only like laugh because I, I, yeah, yeah, I relate. Sure. <laughs> That's good. I, I, if you're, if people are listening to this, they probably relate to, you know, no, um, either they're a, laughing or they're are. cringing. One of the two. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Whatever. And so I walk around the corner into, um, and I look for something to do and there's a, um, there's a Schlotzky's or something. I'm like, well, I'm not hungry. So I look to the other place and it's, um, it's this like kind of labor ready kind of place where you can fill out job applications. So I'm like, okay, I'll go into this place and fill out job applications in a city. I no longer live in while dying. (laughs) And, uh, and I start doing that and there's this girl sitting across from me and I start flirting with her, you know, because I'm going to ask her on a date five minutes before my death. 
And yeah. the next thing I know, I'm coming to in this ambulance. My my leg feels like it's broken because they're hitting me with Narcan um, hard. I get with like a giant needle. I guess I don't know. I never really found out. Um, and so I survived. And um, when I, I'm probably what happened is I was like mid conversation with this chick and then just like fell over. Um, and you know, there's so many points when I look back where that could have, where I could have just died. And, you know, if the headphones had, and the iPhone had, you know, had a full charge, I'd yeah. be dead. Um, if I had, um, if I had gone in that Quiznos, yeah, it was a Quiznos. That's what it was. Those people don't give a fuck, right? They're not paying attention. If I walk into this Quiznos, they probably would just been like, Oh, this guy's like asleep at the table. We'll figure that out later and then mm-hmm. I'd be dead. If um if I'd sat down by myself and you know over at a computer somewhere else, no I might not have even been noticed until or I was in dead. the snow. But in the snow, right? You're gonna die in the no. snow yeah. for a minute. I was. Yeah. Be so it was gonna be so metal, man. It would have been <laughs> uh, like the right. fucking end of the shining. <laughs> that yeah, dude exactly. throws him to death. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah. And looking back, that was like, that helped me so much when I finally got sober and there was more like, there was a lot more like trying to get sober in Texas and failing, um, because I was still causing harm. I didn't want to stop lying, stuff like that. My first attempt at sobriety just didn't last. Um, but, but when I got, finally got into the rooms, um, and I, I was terrified of course to come to AA, but I had to do it for this, um, you know, this outpatient rehab I was in, um, as a result of the suicide attempt, um, they, you know, it was like, I would look back at this moment and I would say that is, there is a higher power for sure. I am convinced of it. Um, because I, this, this string of coincidences or, you know, that kept me alive. Um, or I should have died at these at multiple points along this, this weird little, it couldn't have been more than 15 or 20 minutes all told. Um, and so, so when I got into, um, AA and I was originally in AA, I, I got a sponsor. We worked through the steps in the big book and, um, I didn't want to stop sleeping around. Basically. I didn't want to stop, um, cheating on girls. I didn't want to stop, uh, any of that. Um, and I didn't care like if they were drinking, I wasn't going to drink or I wasn't going to get high, but I didn't care if they were, I didn't care if they were relapsed. And it was like, I was this slime ball. Basically I'm the guy who's like 13 stepping, um, you know, but I, and I have two months sober and I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, I just know that basically I was there for the people. I was lonely. I was afraid. I was like, everyone else is doing these steps. So I'll do them. Um, and they did work. Uh, they very much worked. And I did have a powerful spiritual experience where I really wanted to stop smoking weed. That's all I had down there in Texas at the time. And I couldn't stop. And it was just mind boggling. I'm like, how can I not stop weed? Um, and I, I fell to my knees and I prayed and I was crying because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. And I knew I was going to do it. And when that happened, I'm getting chills, like just saying it again when that happened um immediately like a light switch uh, the desire to use went away and it was it was not it was like that i knew i no longer wanted it and i ran out to my my brother's room and i said i said loadable and he's like what and i'm like just do it he's like okay that's weird and he's and so he loads a bowl and i'm like okay now take a hit and he's like what are you doing and i'm like just do it 
and he does it and he and i'm like now offer it to me and he's like do you want some do you want some and i'm like no no i don't <laughs> that is the awesomest shit i've ever heard in my life <laughs> you're like dude just uh, yeah. just do it <laughs> Yeah, just do it, man. I got to test this thing. Um, oh, and he was, so, I'm sure he was confused for like years after that. Like, like what that the was hell the hottest happen? fucking thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> I didn't even want to smoke some weed. But he made <laughs> no, right? me smoke. But he didn't he's smoke. normal, you know? <laughs> yeah. Fucking he, d- he didn't care. Meant nothing to him. Um, and so eventually <laughs> I, I relapse gets really bad again and then more bizarre things happen um my brother gets really sick that same brother he gets really sick while my parents are on vacation Mm -hmm. and i was at this point i had been using heroin for a while at this point i finally found some real drugs and i've been using like it was bad i was using i had to combine a lot of substances together to feel okay so it was a lot of meth a lot of xanax a lot of heroin a lot of weed a lot of drinking Mm -hmm. and it was not in any way safe right um it was so dangerous the way i was living and i was like this isn't working anymore i gotta learn how to shoot up i gotta figure this out and and basically and i never got to that point um because yeah well because i was gonna do it i was ready to do it and i basically got sober before i was ready to start doing it um and I had had people do it for me in the past a few times, but for whatever reason, it didn't take. Um, and this time I was like ready. And uh, then my brother gets sick. My parents are out of town. I take him to the hospital and they say, he's got a heart infection. His heart is inflamed. If he even survives this, he's going to need a heart transplant. And so my parents race back. Um, you know, I'm stealing needles out of this hospital room. I'm stealing money out of my dying brother's wallet. So I can go get dope and try to figure how, out how I can shoot up. Um, you know, my girlfriend who later I'm, who I later married, she's around, her mom, everyone's around. And basically the gist of it is everyone sees what's really going on with me. Cause I had like grabbed my dad's gun. I don't even know what, why I need a gun. I was like, I probably need this gun to go to the hospital. It's, it couldn't hurt. Right. It'd be right. good to have um and they just saw the total insanity and how bad i had truly become and my parents are very you know i I guess they just didn't see it i don't know maybe they're in denial maybe they truly didn't see what was going on but they saw it then and i got into rehab um and after i got into rehab i was as soon as i got off the box and i was terrified i was absolutely terrified i was going to relapse and i never wanted to go back ever again I grabbed a sponsor in there. Um, he came in and spoke and um, at this rehab I was in and it just blew me away. And I came to him and he said, okay, I want you to, I want you to read the big book a little bit. And I said, man, I've read that book. I have read that book. I need to do this. I am like, I got to start some steps before I walk out of here. Cause I, if I don't, when I walk out that door, I'm going to go get high. It's going to be against my will. And I don't know what's going to happen after that. Right. And, and I don't want to know. Um, and it's got to run its course, when, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, once exactly. you the first, the first drink or drug, man, and then it's mm-hmm. fucking, you know, where it stops, nobody knows. And I was nobody. thinking too about what you were just talking about to back it up for a second. Like, sure. Um, how everybody all of a sudden could see it, right? Like they could just see yeah. how bad you were. And right. <laughs> I mean, it sounds to me like 
in the midst of that situation, um, right. In fear for your brother's life and, uh, how, yeah. how just out of control, completely out of your control, yeah. the events that were happening around you were right. Your, uh, your reaction to that was yeah. Escape, right? Yeah. Escape yeah. by any means necessary. It was complete fight yeah. or flight, like survival mode right. kicked in. And, yeah. and yeah, so you're doing dumb shit and everybody's like, yeah. fuck, you're stealing his money. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're stealing my gun. Yeah. Like, what are you fucking doing? I know. And you're sitting there probably like, what, what? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Pay it back. You're just trying to back. fucking shut it off. You know? Yeah. You, you didn't know how to deal yeah. with it. And it's no, not at all. And probably another huge blessing in your life that it, you yeah. know, cause we think we're so slick dude, you know, and we can like hide <laughs> what we're doing yeah. and like, we then like people don't notice and maybe we mm-hmm. were pretty slick for a while, but uh, right. when something like that happens and it kicks in your, your uh, survival instincts like that, yeah, man, now you have no control and you're, you're just, you're, like all knee-jerk reactions that's like what you're doing and and people are just like wow bro you know yeah you're fucked up exactly and i'm really worried about you and if it wasn't Mm -hmm. for that uh happening you know you may have they may have may have never been witness to the to the real true uh insanity Mm -hmm. of your condition and then maybe you never would have had to sit you know, when you have to sit through your, your loved ones telling you right. um, what it, how it affected them seeing yeah. you uh, in certain situations and you'll be like, you, you just it's hard to even listen to the stories, you know, it is, but so if cringy. you can listen to them, right. And like, accept mm-hmm. what the, their truth is, you, mm-hmm. you know, that's where, where growth can happen. Right. That's where we can really yeah. um, change, you know, yeah change absolutely absolutely and i mean and that has been one thing where that happened to me like i was convinced for a while that i was like a psychopath or sociopath because i didn't feel anything for other people i just didn't i didn't care when i would hurt people i just did not care and i really thought there was something wrong with my brain and then i got sober and i started to have emotions again and to care about things and it was like man I feel so bad about what, what I think, but I was like, said, I was like, thank God I have guilt. Thank God I have shame. Cause I thought, I thought I'm just a horrible you thought you person. You weren't capable of that anymore. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and on a similar, but slightly different note, like I remember thinking at one point that I had done irreparable damage to my brain. Yes. Like I had lost yes. all, I had lost any capacity of trust for within myself to be able to, sure hold a job or have yep. a healthy relationship with anyone yep. friendship romantic yep. or otherwise yep. um i had i i had completely given up on myself in all those aspects mm-hmm. and then and i didn't think i just thought i was so fucked up that i would yep. never not, nothing would ever heal it and it took yep. a long time of being in recovery for me to finally be like damn you know like I'm really grateful, man, because I got friends. Yeah. Well, they're not really friends anymore, but I've known a lot of people that I've seen that have mm-hmm. crossed their wires somewhere along the line, and they're like mm-hmm. really fucking like kooky and out there. Yeah, and it, yeah. 
I mean, I'm not saying I'm not kooky or out there, I guess, but I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, fried. I'm grateful though, that I have my mental faculties, uh, intact mm. for the most part, you know what I mean? It's yeah. A miracle. For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle. But yeah. I, I'm the same way, dude. I, I really felt like I had destroyed my brain and you know, I know that there's stuff because I gotten some head injuries from, you know, fights that I got in and stuff like that, falling down the stairs. But mm. so there's a little bit of, you know, and I, like I said, I did a lot of dope. So I was the same way. I was worried I would never come back. And I think there's some residual effects, but for the right. most part, I'm really grateful that it, it mostly came back as far as I can tell. Hell yeah. So, man, I'm grateful it yeah. came back for you too. You yeah. know, you're, you're, you're showing me that I can make it another five years. I mean, and, four years and like 360 days, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you're going to keep giving me shit. For I, hey, no fronts, I, buddy. I got to, I no got to come back. I got to come back after I get nine years and Hell yeah. <laughs> throw it in your face. We got that voicemail line, bro. Call and leave us a voicemail. Yeah. We'll play it on the next yeah. topic episode whenever the hell we get around to one. We get so many damn interviews lined up right now. It's ridiculous. Nice. Like we got hit with a wave, man. And, uh, yeah. I think we're booked through like halfway through September at this point or something. So that's awesome. But we're going to be doing, Great. we already, we've had the next topic picked out for like the last month, dude. And then it's just like all nice. these interviews. Yeah. We're going to, the next topic's going to be like, uh, when recovery, like when recovery rock stars can fall off too or something like that. Sure. I don't sure. know. Oh yeah. That's it. That's a good topic though. <laughs> we've seen it happen and it's like you know you put people Same. on a pedestal right yeah and it, yep. and then what do you it's do dangerous. if they fall off yeah it's yeah then you're you like those oh. celebrities then you start thinking you can't do this because they fucked yep. they fucked up right you know right, they're right. not a god man they're just a person Mm-mm. no it'll so be we, a good we one turn it. it's good man yeah, we turn our sponsors sometimes into higher powers, and it's it's, it's so dangerous. I know, it's so dangerous. I'm I, so, I'm pretty good about yeah. it nowadays, but I, I know my first sponsor, <laughs> dude. He went back out. He's he's out there back on the meth, like he has been yeah. for a long time, and Scary. it's sad. I actually seen him not too long ago, and he was. Mm. fuck man i only seen him for like a half hour and he's just fiddling with his yeah. like, motorcycle the whole time and i was like oh uh, my god geez. dude <laughs> i was like oh shit yeah dude my um my old sponsor he's been is the same thing he's been on a long crack binge that you know i don't know that he's coming back from but it's like just seeing him it's like or hearing that mostly i hear just stories about him and it's like it's just sad and it it's like I'm. I used to look up to him, and now I'm just. And all I can do is pray for him. You know. Amen. You know. Exactly. Like they know. They know. You know where we're at. They know right. that we would they love do. nothing more than to be there. Yeah. And and help yep. him. And I'm that way with yep. you know. I'll try to help anybody, man. But the second that I get the idea that you're not really, you know, yeah. genuine about it. Or I think mm-hmm. you're just trying to take advantage, or you're playing yeah. games and shit. Man, right. you're on your own, bro. Because I got my own set mm-hmm. of problems, you know, to deal with. And there's, <laughs> right. and if I'm gonna be like spending some of my energy on helping somebody, dude, I, 
you know, they get, they got to want to help themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So we can't, exactly. we're only responsible for the effort, man. And if I'm going to make any effort yep. showing up for somebody, I want it to, yeah, I want to be showing up for somebody who really needs me to show up for them. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I can't just save them. Yeah. You know, mm. I, I have, they have to do the work. Yeah. I'm not an outcome business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah. Um, you know, that, that situation with my brother, um, he ended up, and this is, again, I look back and this is another very clear God working in my life. Um, so after all this goes down and he has to get, he has this huge medical bill. They have to put this little machine in him so that his heart just completely stops and it pumps the blood for him. And it's like, it's like an experimental device. And it's totally crazy. Um, he ends up walking out of there with like, they were like, he will need a heart transplant one day. Um, and then the, afterwards they said he has healed completely and we can't understand it. And to the, to the point like that they heart, wrote a paper his heart about did? it, his heart. Yeah. His heart completely healed. And they like wrote a case study on it because they couldn't wow. believe how well this device had worked. And, wow. um, and so I look back and I'm like, the only thing that really, the only true like, consequence of that is that I got sober. And, you know, and my parents had a, a very large bill. <laughs> oh, I bet. Holy <laughs> shit. Here's this experimental thing that some yeah, know, scientists right? have been working on forever. You know, it just right. only costs like 500000 or a million dollars. But, dude, right, that's right. amazing, man. It fixed his heart, completely fixed his heart. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's totally nuts, man. And like when that happened, um, you know, it like it it changed my life. It really did. Um, because when it, it was like it was something that I needed to hold on to um when I when I was in rehab. It was something that I needed to hold on to desperately because I very much needed there to be I needed God so bad in there because I was so terrified, you know. Um and I, I, and so I, I would look back at, um, you know, all these things that were happening, um, with God and, you know, the suicide attempt and, um, you know, the, the desire to, to smoke being completely taken away. And, and then, but that was the one that was so near, it was, it was right there and it was concrete. And, um, so I latched onto that, like, th this is God, this is God. And I had to, I hung tight onto that and it got me to my sponsor because I was, you know, so scared and I was like, I have to re rely completely on God 100%. And every day I'm like, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender, please don't let me go back. Um, and it was, you know, I, I will never forget that fear. Um, I will never forget how scared I was. Um, Right. Which I think is good. I think it's totally. good that I don't forget. Well, you know, it's like they say fear is like a deep respect or reverence, right? Like, um, yeah. Like if for God fearing, you know, that's like how they, yeah. They say yep. it's not like fear, like you're afraid, you know, right. or you're scared, yeah. terrified. It's like you respect yeah. deep respect or reference reverence. Yep. And it's like, that's for our, for us, dude. Uh, yeah. The power that drugs, have or alcohol has mm -hmm. to like change mm -hmm. my personality completely right to 
to make me do say and uh you know think things that i normally would never think or do or say right that shit right is some fucking crazy shit man i mean even at this point and i'm sure you have similar uh, experience like the Mm -hmm. further removed from it the more crazy i think it is the more sure the more is revealed too, like memories that pop in my mind Mm -hmm. like i'll remember some fucked up (laughs) shit and i'll be like dude i forgot all about that but maybe i just now i own a mend i think i think like uh like God only lets you remember so much of that shit because if, if you yeah. knew all, if you could like remember all of it, your head would explode. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. <laughs> yeah, I I agree completely. Now there have been um, I've definitely had over the years like remembered. Oh, I owe that guy an amend. Oh, I owe the. Oh, I did that. And if it if I remember that all at once, man, I don't know. I I was already overwhelmed with the number of amends I owed. Right. <laughs> And it was funny too, because I remember doing my eighth step, man, and making the lists of, and, and really going through it because it was like, you know, we talked about all that stuff in the fourth step, but now on the eighth step, we're like really kind of digging into it deeper, like picking it apart more. And then, and then he's like helping me figure out the best way to go about these amends. Right. Yeah. I started getting so fucking overwhelmed, dude, after like three meetings of that shit. And then eventually it was like, he kind of dropped this bombshell on me like, dude, this is becoming willing. Right. So he's like, just because we finished this list doesn't mean that your eighth step is done because you might not be willing to do some of these right now. And that's all right. Yeah. Whoa. Right on. And then he was like, and then he's like, but guess (laughs) what? He's like, eventually you'll probably with some of them. He's like, you may never get to that point. And then you might forget Mm -hmm. about them all together. And then one day, yeah, you're going to just run into that person <laughs> yeah. and then that amend is going to work itself out right before you. Yep. And it, you know, like yep. God will put it in your path when you're ready, when so it's hit, when he, when he says you're ready. And I was like, yeah, real. And I was like, no, and like, but dude, it, <laughs> I've had a few of those moments, yeah. man. And it was actually really Thanks. beautiful and went well. Yeah. And I was like, really surprised to hear what they had to say because it was like pretty much the exact opposite of what i convinced myself of so many years ago and believed sure you know forever (laughs) it's crazy no it is it is and i had the same thing happen when i first got my my real my first real big boy job at you know i think i was like 28 or something like that and i actually had money coming in all of a sudden all these amends where i owed money started to pop up Oh, uh, that shit. I thought I'd never find these people and I ended up having to pay them all off. And I was like, God dang, man. But that's God, you know, it, yeah. God waited, God waited. It, it wasn't until I had like four years sober, I think. And then, you know, for a while, all my money was funneled into some amends. For sure. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, I'm, it was, I'm just Very now good. that's like same too. like four years. Yeah. I just got, and I just got a job and I would have never got it unless it was for the Rona. Cause Corona got me sure. fucking benched for like fucking 19 days. And I was like, I can't sit oh, here for wow. 19 days and not make money. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I called in feeling under the weather one morning and they're like, you can't come back oh, for geez. two weeks. And I was oh, like, man. fuck. So then I started looking around and my cousin just happened yeah. to call me and he's like, you should apply oh, at my wow. job. And now I'm making like $7 more per hour than I was at my last oh, job. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, and it's not huge money, but it's definitely the most money I've ever made, dude, like in my life. Yeah. And I've only been making it now for like four months, but yeah, already like. It makes a difference. I paid over two grand in my debt, you know, and I I paid off my credit card. I went on that Mm -hmm. vacation. Now I'm pretty starting to back over. I know, but (laughs) it's like shit. Yeah. It's weird when you don't usually have money and then you you get it and you can start chipping away i mean i guess Uh for once in my life i have hope that maybe i can like one day be debt free or something yeah no you you can i'm sure yeah we we just sold our house and um and uh you know because i lost my job um where i was making more money than i ever made in my life and uh and looking back, it was a blessing because I was miserable there. All the money in the world was making me miserable. So we sold our house and, you know, we, of course, there's a part of me that was like, let's, you know, let's go crazy, you know, and buy a bunch of shit. But then we, we were like, no, let's pay off all our debt. You know, that's the right thing to do. Pay off these people. Some of this debt was, you know, decades old and right. it felt so good to, to pay that off and, but even along the way, it was good to keep paying it each month and to know I'm doing the right thing. I'm paying my bills. Right. I am, you know, with money that I have made through work that I am doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's man. so weird. <laughs> or it's like, you know, when you fucking get a paycheck and, and then you yeah. spend it all on bills in the first like three hours <laughs> of the morning and right. now you're broke yeah. for a week, but you just right. you're like cool with it. Cause you're like, man, yeah. my shit's paid. I'm good. Mm-hmm secured mm-hmm. this place for another month yep Got i have electricity it's not yeah. getting turned off <laughs> dude i mean it's yeah. kind of a weird uh kind of satisfaction even though you're broke <laughs> yeah right 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 for right sure well i think i think for us it's particularly satisfying because we're it allows me to be grateful for these things that I feel like I don't know, but a normal person would just take for granted. Like, yeah, you pay your bills, whatever. Right. Um, and it's we like, could never I hold it down before. Like, and then all of a sudden now yeah. here I am, I'm kind of like trusting yeah. myself a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm the adult somehow in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Learning how to be one, you know? Yeah. Adultish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Adulting is hard. <laughs> it sure is, man. Yeah, man. It sure is. So your brother, he's, he's fucking doing good still still alive and kicking yeah. and kicking ass yeah nice still totally normal um yeah his and physically like isn't it's not it was nuts it was nuts that this happened um and it just it like it was like these are the things and sometimes these become really really important in my life um when i'm struggling in sobriety to remember there you know something's not going or goes wrong. Like when I lost my job, you know, I, I hung tight to those moments because I was like, I know God is going to get me through this. There's going to be, there's a reason this is happening. This is going to, God is going to make this work. God has a plan. I don't know how it's going to work. Um, you know, but it's there, you know, the, the, there's a groove that I'm following and it's the right groove. Um, and I just have to hang on tight. Um, and I would think back to these moments and say that, Remember, you know, and my one time my sponsor 
there was this amend and I, I was like a year sober and I'd really, I hadn't gone to meetings in like three or four months. Um, you know, I hadn't gotten high, but, and I hadn't thought about it, but I was, I was starting to lie a little bit. I was starting to steal a little bit again. And my sponsor, um, I talked to him about where I was at. I was like, I got to get back on it. And he said, well, you got to make an amend for this thing. And I was in, I went back to college and I had cheated on this quiz um, and he said, you have got to go. And I was already, because of my history, they were like, basically you screw anything up and we kick you out. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, I went and, um, told my sponsor this, he said, you got to make that a minute. I said, I absolutely will not. And he was like, he told me later, he was like, when you said that, I was like, if I'm going to fire him, but he said, he said, first, I want you to call my sponsor sponsor. Um, and, talk to him about this. And this man, you know, relayed this story of um, two stories that blew me away. One was, uh, you know, he was a felon. Uh, he is a felon. He's, he had gotten two felonies. If he got a third one, he is out. Um, right. And he got, um, he, he had robbed a liquor store and he had robbed Walmart. And so he, he went to go make amends to the liquor store fully knowing that this guy could just, end his life basically. And the guy took the money that he went to him. He said, uh, it was a, the guy just owned, it It was a small liquor store. And he said, it's, this is enough, but Walmart, they don't, they don't fuck around with stealing, man. So he called, he called Walmart and he started explaining what he was doing. And the woman on the phone says, I'm in the program. If you want to make it right, donate that $500. Um, and at the next meeting, put it in the basket and he, he told me all this. And then he said, do you really think that God is, has brought you all this way to just drop you on your ass now? Right. And I was like, I was huh. like, you're right. You're right, man. I got God bumps Plus right my, now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Same. Dang, bro. I know. And he, I, and then of course I'm like, God, my amend is nothing in the face of that madness. Like this guy, that is God keeping him from, you know, federal prison for the rest of his life. Um, right. So what, you know, I can make this amend and, uh, that's amazing. So yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you did so it. So important. Yeah. Yeah. I made the amend and the teacher was like, well, you know, I appreciate it and I'll just give you a zero on that quiz. And I was like, thank you so right much on. for not yeah, ruining my budding career. <laughs> right. Dang. Yeah. Holy shit. That's crazy shit, man. (laughs) Like you have to, that's like when I was in this meth induced psychosis, dude, like the last time I used, uh, uh, any hard shit. And yeah, I, uh, like I was on, I was going to kill myself and, uh, I couldn't do it. So then I put down this big ass knife and I called this guy who was Uh my, like, kind of like my sponsor before, but he was this, just sure. this guy that I got his number and said, will you be my sponsor? <laughs> yeah. So that I put his number in my phone right. and it said like Jason sponsor. And then I'd be mm-hmm. like, see, I have a sponsor, but I never used it. <laughs> but I sure. called him and uh, he told me, you know, I was just rambling, rambling, telling him all this right. crazy shit that I was like hallucinating, but I was yeah. believing that it was really happening. And sure. Of course. And he was like, dude, you, uh, he's like, you, you're all fucked up. He's like, you need to call your job. 
and tell them that you ain't going to mm-hmm. come in because I was supposed to be there in an hour. And he's like, you have to oh, call geez. them and tell them that you're not coming in and tell them why and tell them what you've been up to. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and I, normally I would have <laughs> yeah. been like you said, you know, like fucking, I will not right. do that, dude. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, cause he was like, your secrets are making you sick, like super sick. Yeah. You're like feeling super yeah. sick right now. He's like, you need to shed that shit. So he's like, yeah. so call your job, tell him he ain't coming in and tell him what you've been up to. So I yeah. did that, man. And I had a like 20 minute phone conversation with this guy at, at, at my job who had just taken over the management position. I didn't know him that good. And mm-hmm. from what I did know of him, we had been button heads. Like I didn't like the dude at all. Right. But dude, he yeah, was yeah. super cool on the phone. And he was like, give me, he's like, give me a couple of days to think this over, man. And he's like, wow. get some rest, you know? And yeah. then I called him <laughs> yeah. and I called him the next night. Oh, and by the way, after I got off that phone conversation, mm-hmm. I ended up having the best day. Like I was spun as fuck, but I just felt great all day. (laughs) And I was like, I'm like going to quit this shit. And I was on fire for the whole idea of being done. Kind of like you said about the weed, you know, like when you were like, let me, you know, yeah, no, I don't (laughs) any, you know, like this is crazy. I was like, this shit works. You know, that was my first, Mm -hmm. um, experience with uh the power of accountability and honesty that was my first mm-hmm. experience with taking uh taking an action you don't believe in and getting a result that you can't deny you know what i mean yeah uh, yeah following a suggestion uh you know it doesn't mean you have to agree with it you right. or that you have to understand it but if you do it right you get uh, benefit from that. Right. And it's a, it's delayed right. gratification, the kind that sticks with you. And I was like, man, so I felt great all day. And then I called him the next night and he, they let me go. And I, but I was totally okay with that. <laughs> I was like, I understand yeah. completely, man. I, I was like, sure. I don't blame you. I, I get it. They had, they had just yeah. took me back at that job because I said I was oh, wow. kicking, you know? Right. And then I, yeah, I was like third day back. I uh, relapsed. <laughs> yeah. I sold my laptop for like a teener and <laughs> lost my goddamn mind by myself <laughs> yeah. in the house. So it's just crazy though, how that works, you know, and mm-hmm. those are men sometimes that it's like, we, we convince ourselves that the, we can't do that. And uh, the, you know, yeah. Yeah. make a mountain out of right. a molehill and shit. And then it ends yep. up, the people are exactly. so much more understanding than you think they will be they are when you're honest it's crazy they are most of them are <laughs> I, i've had a few amends go sideways but not very many yeah i haven't t- i haven't had any, any really like oh really i guess I, that's well, good. good i guess you. no i guess i have had a couple but i was really like maybe i was just on a good spiritual plane at the time because i was like well that's yeah. everything about them and it's nothing to do with me and i was able to be like <laughs> right right okay with it um, sure. And like I, my, yeah, I was, you know, too. we're only responsible for the effort, not the outcome and things. So yep. Yep. I guess I heard that enough or something where I was just like, well, that's unfortunate, you know, but yeah, what it is. Right. Yeah. So it just didn't fuck me up, and, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I, I had the same experience and I, I think that, you know, most people, 99% of people are cool, but every now and then someone is like, cause usually the people who are that mad, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want anything to do with you. They're just like, no, I don't want to hear your apology. You know, fuck off. 
But right. every now and then someone wants to, they want to give you a piece of their mind and then tell you to fuck off. Oh, yeah. They don't, they don't care about that apology. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're just like, finally, I get yeah, to I sound know. off on your ass. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the most intense ones that I had was exactly like that. This, this ex-girlfriend, of my, I mean, ex-girlfriend, I dated her like three months, but she told me we were talking on Facebook and then, and I told her, you know, I want to make an amend. I want to apologize. I'm doing these 12 steps. And she was like, listen, I don't want to be a part of your 12 step program. If you want to make amends to me, you can make amends to my boyfriend who I can't trust because of guys like you. And you can make amends to my parents because of all the drugs I got on and all the lies I told them because of you. And I was like, God dang. (laughs) All right. And uh, I went to my sponsor. I was like, so anyway, I probably don't have to do this. Right. And he was like, you got to do that. (laughs) And I was like, no way. What she told you to do? The grand sponsor. Yeah. He said, you got to do that. But, and so, and it was just a willingness thing, you know, ultimately I was right. Cause there's no way she was going to let me contact these people. Right. Um, <laughs> you never know. Uh, I had to be willing. And so I messaged her back and I said, I am willing to do this. If you give me their contact info and of course she never did, but oh. there's always this like little fear in the back of my head that I'm going to just get a message from her with two phone numbers. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, <gonna> do it. <laughs> but you know, I think there was some truth to what she said and some validity, 100%. but then, but then when she uh, flipped it to the, all the drugs yeah. I got on because of you because now, of you. now, you know, she's shirking her own personal responsibility. Yeah. But honestly, like with the trust thing and stuff like that, shit's valid, yeah. man. Yeah. That's super valid. valid. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope you That's heal from she- that mystery ex-girlfriend lady. I hope you heal. <laughs> I hope she does too. Man. I'll pray for you. I, she, um, she was a good person, you know, and just caught, caught up with, you know, she didn't. And that was one of the things I always hid it from girls at first, uh, girls that I actually wanted to date. Right. Um, you know, not the ones I was just using, and uh, I would always hide it. And then once they found out, they'd be like, well, I did not know you were on, you were like this level of drug. Cause they would, they'd always say that they'd be like, some, you don't look bad. I mean, you, you seem really, you seem cool. What, what why are you single? I'm like, you're going to find out. <laughs> you're going to find out pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> of a shit show. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, told yeah. In that case. <laughs> Dude, I know. There's a reason. Yeah. A good one. (laughs) Still a work in progress, man. But you're married though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm married now. Um, you know, she was the girlfriend who was with me at the hospital. Um, you know, and when we, when I finally got sober, you know, I made an amend to her and we, uh, we ended up breaking up because I had been doing the same, you know, this being that, horrible person and I cheated on her a bunch. I cheated on her while I was in rehab and I was still on Suboxone, which is like me trying to make an excuse for my bad behavior. Right. Um, and so we, we separated or we broke up entirely. And then a year later, uh, I realized, I really realized what I had lost with her. And, you know, I, I reached out to her and I said, do you want to, you know, you want to go on a, on a date or something? She's like, Nope. And I was like, ah, Oh, well. And then like 10 minutes later, she messages me back and it's like, well, okay, just one. And, uh, you know, that turned into something really beautiful. Awesome, Um, man. 
Yeah, it, it was. And it took a lot of work, you know, to build that trust back up. And she's working her program. Uh, I, I was trying to work mine at the same time. Um, there's a lot of difficulties, right? Because I'm, I was a real firm believer and still am in, in helping other people and carrying the message. And that was drilled into my head by my sponsor. And that was the one thing that I really avoided my first attempt at sobriety. I didn't want to help anyone. And I don't know why. Um, but so I'm like constantly carrying the message. I'm in school. She's in school. She's carrying the message. She's working full time. And then this trust, right, has been broken into many pieces. And there's a lot of work that that first couple of years that we, we dated, um, like back again, there was, I had to do a lot of, I had to, you know, prove that I was trustworthy and she had to decide, am I able to trust this person or not? Right. Um, and, but thankfully I think, you know, through, because we were doing what we needed to do through our programs, through our higher powers, um, you know, that God could heal that. Um, you know, my, my current sponsor, he usually says stuff like, you know, the program is just a way to distract you so that God can fix you, you know, when you're not paying attention. Dude. <laughs> and, um, I like that. It's so true. Cause like, like when I'm in my shit, dude, and I can't seem yeah. to get out of a funk, invariably uh-huh. the the best solution is to help somebody else because at some point Absolutely. i'm like kind of forget what i was tripping about in the first place right what was my <laughs> yeah, issue i'm uh, just feeling <laughs> great right now and i really yeah. empathizing with their situation and shit right but yeah that dude hold on i would say it yeah. again <laughs> say it again okay he says, um, he says that, you know, the steps are just something to distract you while, while God fixes you in the background. Yes, that is good stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Oh man. So let's see, where were we at? You were, you're talking about how your brother, you're literally yeah. like the only uh, yeah. Consequence of your brother's yeah. situation was that you got clean. Right. Yeah. And, and we uh, got on some amends yeah. and stuff, but like what? Yeah. Maybe yeah, the it. process. To, yeah. yeah. To get there. Um, so yeah, I help my, I help my brother um, or my brother heals and uh, I go to rehab um, and I get this sponsor and I get in this, thankfully I get into this, awesome sober house that's really hardcore and that's what i needed um and they're not fucking around and they're like you will work the steps we will call your sponsor and see where you're at in your step work if you're not working steps in a timely manner we kick you out um when you get to step 12 you're carrying the message um you must find a commitment within a week of hitting step 12 um they were like and yeah they were like up my ass and i was very happy to have it like that because I wanted desperately to get through the steps fast, um, you know, to get, to get freedom, um, and to, and to keep it. Um, and so for that first two years, I was, um, you know, I go to a lot of meetings. I carry the message usually a couple times a week, um, to the rehab that I went to, which was, you know, always such a great feeling to go back there and, and help people who are in the same position I was, um, the same place. I went back to school. Yeah, the same place, because I could literally say I have been in those particular chairs <laughs> that you're sitting in right now. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that was a good feeling. And, and I couldn't. Um, so I had been unemployed uh, for two years before I got sober, and I continued to stay unemployed for two years after. 
Um, and I could, you know, looking back, I, that makes sense to me because I, you know, would not have gone back to school if, um, I had been able to find a job cause I always kind of throw myself into these kinds of things. I throw myself into work. I'm probably a workaholic at some level. Um, you know, and so because I couldn't do that, I was like, my parents wanted me to go back to school anyway. They had the money and I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do that. Um, but there's this part, this pride, right. That wants me because everyone around me, they get sober, they get a job immediately. And now where I'm at, I'm like, I don't know how I couldn't find a job. Like it's like, there are so many jobs that hire people with my background. Right. But part of the problem was that raid was still hanging over my head. Um, and I, I had pen, I had pending felonies and everyone would say, well, if you had actual felonies, it would be fine. But because it's pending, we're not going to mess with you. Um, and I, and I probably could have found a job, you know, at like a small business or, you know, a number of, of, you know, places where they would accept that. But I just couldn't, I was young and I didn't understand how the world of work worked. Uh, You know, I'd never, really had real jobs, um, you know, more than like a few months before I'd lose it at a gas station, stuff like that. And I just couldn't figure it out. And so I ended up going to school. Um, I finished a degree in English. Um, I essentially am like, I have no idea what to do with this. So I go back to school um, because I still can't find a job. And I go to school for technical writing, um, which is like writing manuals and, and stuff like that. Um, the big manuals that like airplanes use and stuff like that. Um, and then, um, and I, along the way I realized that, um, I like marketing better, um, than writing manuals, which I eventually was like, this is actually going to be really boring. And then I start getting jobs. Um, but I'm already like deep in school. So I'm like, this is God working in my life. If I, if I hadn't have gotten here, I would have thrown myself into this first job. That first job, they were like, eventually they were like, do you want to manage one? It was a, a bookstore. They sold um, like textbooks for students. Mm-hmm. And they were like, do you, you know, we could, you know, make you a manager at one of these stores. We'd pay you 40 grand a year, which was like a mind blowing amount of money. Um, I'd never made even close to that. I'd always made minimum wage. Um, and you know, but I, there, I was like, I, I, I can't do that because I've got to finish this school. Um, and that got me, you know, and now I feel like I'm in such a better place than I would have been. Not that there's anything wrong with being a manager, but I'm happier doing this kind of stuff, you know? Um, and, and along the way, um, you know, I'm still working my program, but at one point I do get off my meds. And so, you know, I, I don't realize it for years, but looking back and this is kind of a recent development for me, uh, looking back probably between years like three and until last year, um, I was probably deeply depressed and didn't know it because I was carrying the message so much. And I was, you know, not, I was working so much and I was in school for a long time. Um, cause I went back to get my master's and I started writing like fiction and nonfiction and stuff like that about my experiences. Um, you know, when I was using and I was, I just filled myself with work so that I wouldn't have to look at what was going on and recognize that, it's for this part of it is not a spiritual issue. This part of it is a medication issue the same way I needed to be on antidepressants and um, you know, the non-narcotic anxiety medication that 
I thought, well, this is, you know, at early in sobriety, I'm like, I don't want to be on these pills, which is like so ironic, right? <laughs> no, no pills for me, man. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yes. Like what, what a joke. Um, but then I started to get back on like going to a psychiatrist and, and I realized I was like, I'm, I am profoundly depressed and there's no reason for it, which, you know, I just have that. It's the same thing when I was a kid, there was no reason for me to depress, be depressed, but I was. Um, and on top of that, there was the lack, there was the lack of God in my life, which just exacerbated it. But, you know, it was like, this is a, this is a chemical issue. Something is wrong with my brain. Um, and so I, you know, while I got back on medication and, um, you know, it took, it took a long time. It took many months. Um, but I'm finally at this place where I'm like, I feel like, I feel like me again. Um, and it was, it was bizarre to, to go through that experience in sobriety. And I think, you know, it's so easy to, you know, I remember being, you know, three months sober and these people who had years sober and they're like gods, you know, they're these gods to me. And, you know, they just, how could anything be wrong if you're there? Look at their lives. All these good things are happening. And I had, I had the money, I had the house, I had the car. Well, my wife had the car, but I was happy that she had the car. Um, You know, it was like life looks so good on the outside and I still feel that connection to God and I'm not happy. And I couldn't, you know, and I was like this, finally I like realized it. Um, And, you know, I think that's the thing we don't talk about a whole lot in the program. We, and which makes sense because we're supposed to be carrying, talking about hope, right? You experience right. strength and hope in the meetings. You're, you're not talking that long. Um, and it's easy w- with a sponsee. It's easy to, they say, how are you doing? I'm like, oh man, you know, you're the one who's smoking crack until last Tuesday. How are you doing? <laughs> you know, let's, let's talk about you, man. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was, um, and, and I got, I was at that point where all my amends were made for my original list. All the ones that came up with, they were all made. I cleaned up all the past and there was no, um, I'm doing the stuff I need to do. I'm cleaning up things as I go, but I'm just miserable and I can't figure out why. Um, and it, and now it's like, I feel, I feel great. And I'm like, oh, I was so stupid again. Me, it was again, I think me trying to run the show. Um, just in sobriety, like as though I get sober and then suddenly I'm not trying to run the show anymore. Right. I just keep trying to take it back. Yeah. And I mean, you get to the point where you, you know, cause that's subtle, you know, like mental yeah, health it stuff, it, it, it comes on yeah. subtle and you know, mm-hmm. you, you just adapt and you don't even yeah. realize that it happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I but totally I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that your quality of life has improved a lot though. And you yeah. got it. You did become aware, you know, self-awareness. I always right. say greatest gift that recovery yeah. gave me was this gift of self-awareness. Cause dude, I, yes, I struggle with that same stuff, you know, uh, yeah. depression, anxiety, and uh, right. it's a, it's a insidious thing just like anything else. Yeah, but you know, the at exact least, word. yeah, but at least sometimes I can be like, man, yeah. Something really fucking going on here with me. You know? Yeah. Yep. And, and, if, and I don't, there's no way I could do that if I wasn't sober. We couldn't do that. If no, we no. If we weren't sober. Yeah. Mm. And if we I mean, did, just, the first thing we would think is like, how am I going to off myself? <laughs> yeah. What am I going to yeah, do? Right. 
What am I going to die? Psychiatrist to give me Xanax and oh, I got ADHD, <laughs> man, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I got neuralgia probably. I, I need the MedCan card because I got chronic pain. Yeah. You know, like yeah, some, yeah, all that shit. All that. No, <laughs> uh, thank God I don't. Uh, I don't have the desire to do that stuff today, man. And that's yeah. cool though. Mental health is a is a big, big part of this. And a lot of people, you know, I think try to scoff at it, you know, and it's yes, awesome. If you can get clean and you don't need uh, medical assistant treatment, but yeah, it is a valid way to recover to, to seek uh, mental help. You know, it is. It absolutely is. And And I should, you know, stigma attached to that shit. Uh, and I, and I think, you know, that can be really, you know, it can be troublesome in the program, right? Because especially the, you know, the closer we are to the big book sometimes, because there are lines you can pull out of there that say, you know, we straighten out mentally and physically when we straighten out spiritually. And sometimes we have to remember that, um, you know, they also talk about how we should talk to psychiatrists in there. Right. Yeah. Um, It totally says that you may need outside professional help. It says that. Yeah. But and but I've heard I've I know people who have said to you know said to their sponsees, which always you know makes me like blows my mind, is maybe the antidepressants are between you and God. And I'm like, oh my God, you cannot be saying stuff like that, man. That's that is deep into dangerous opinion territory. Yeah, and that's exactly it. It's an opinion, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. And. It, especially if somebody's really doing the deed and they're, and they're doing this mm-hmm. work and they're really digging mm-hmm. in. I exactly. mean, now, now they've fought against their own nature that they know right. it and that they, that yeah. they know it all and that they have control over their own destiny and they finally right. succumb and they finally surrendered and they're finally taking upon the attitude of a, like yeah. a student and then you're going to take yeah. that fact that they've opened their mind to be malleable and you're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to throw a fucking block in there like a barricade. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, a, sh- a shame bomb in their brain. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's like, yeah. dude, it's, that's not being, yeah. uh, you know, it's just like you want to handle people with care, man, you know, and be right. kind. Yeah. Be kind. Always be yeah. kind. I mean, you can be tough yeah. and still be being right, kind. Right. You know, you're showing love right. uh, because yep. you have genuine care and concern for somebody. Sometimes that's going to come across right. kind of dickish, but you know, <laughs> right, that can right. be a little for bit. Sure. <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> I can't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, um, I think. I got I got some rapid fire shit for you. You want to answer some right, questions? Yeah. All right. All right. Man, I'm I'm freaking gonna write that quote on something. Yes. Where I see it. Tattoo though. it on your body. <laughs> oh, that's pretty dope. The steps are something to distract you while God heals you in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I love that shit. All right. Um, it, can you think of a song that you think embodies your experience of recovery? Yes. And it's that same song I was going to die to. It's discipline, uh, by, by nine inch nails, because the line goes, I need your discipline. I need your help. I need your discipline. Um, you know, once I start, I cannot help myself. Um, and I've always, 
you know, I, I know that he's in recovery or, you know, I don't know where he's at now, Trent Reznor, but he, he definitely was at that point when that album Slip came out. And when I heard the first time I heard it, I was still using, it. I didn't understand it, but it resonated with me deeply. Right. And, um, and today I, I feel like, you know, that is what I take from it. I need God's discipline. It's kind of I ironic that you picked a song with a positive message to fucking die to. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you didn't probably have a clue, though. Like you said, you didn't understand it. No, so you yeah. were like, I just love I that understand. song. I'm going to yeah, totally drift away gotta, to that shit. Yeah, it's got a hot beat, man. It's a hot oh, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking ends up being like, wow, that had like the fucking pearl of wisdom in it, man, that I needed right. in my life. Right. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> All right, what what is the hardest thing that you've done in your recovery? Hardest thing that I've done in my recovery. That's a good question. Um, you know, I think it, it really was that losing the job. I think that was, um, I've been there for five years, um, and, the, and not losing my sobriety over it because this, it was far and away the biggest challenge I had ever come up against in sobriety. Um, because I just felt like the floor, the rug had been pulled out underneath me. Um, you know, the floor had dropped away. I had, I was like, what am I going to do? I have $5,000 a month in bills. Um, you know, my, what, what am I going to tell my wife? What am I going to tell my parents? I have this house that's so expensive. We just bought this BMW. What are, what are we going to do? And the fear just opened up and swallowed me. And I knew exactly what to do. You know, first I, at first I got really fearful and I started, uh, fixing my resume and, and getting really, really, really angry. Um, and then I knew I called my sponsor and he didn't pick up and I called the, the guy who's currently my sponsor and he didn't pick up. And then I called, um, one of the, one of my best friends in the world, man. And he picked up and he said, I've gone through this exact same thing. And, you know, I felt better after I talked to him and then I went and I started calling sponsees saying, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing? Um, but that was, that was the most difficult thing for me ever. It to, to get that humble and to say, we have to sell this house, um, to say, you know, to reach out to people and say, do you have work? Do you have anything that needs written? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. That was the hardest thing. You had to be vulnerable to get yeah. the solutions yeah. even man that's a really good illustration of like because you know you hear it when you especially when you're new in recovery you know you, you hear the right, 12, right. 12 tradition it's like we practice these principles in all our affairs but you don't right like it's just like those things on the wall man in the rooms like they don't yeah, right fucking make any sense in the beginning but after you've been walking yep. the walk for a while then all of a uh -huh. sudden they all have some kind of deep personal significance to you yep and now yeah. that means something to me right and that's like yep practicing the principles of recovery in that situation yeah helped you through it got yeah. you the solutions and the support you needed and and mm. and yeah you had to like to sacrifice some things but you got yeah. some great gratification out of that you ended yep. up finding work that you're more you get more out of it yeah and yeah yeah absolutely that's awesome dude great story yeah all right. What's the most rewarding thing you've ever done in your recovery? The most rewarding thing, um, man, I feel like it's, it's, it's carrying the message, but it's sponsorship and it's just, you know, it's not one thing it's over and over and over. It's like, 
I got this sponsee in Boston um, who, you know, sent me a, a card that, you know, he was getting married, inviting me to his wedding. And then Corona happened and ruined everything. But, you know, right. seeing he had a baby, you know, seeing this guy get seven years sober. Um, another right. sponsee of mine just got seven years the other day and seeing how his life has changed. Um you know, just seeing seeing guys who I've worked with for years who fail and fail and fail and fail, and you know, know it, you know, never giving up on them. Um, and you know, I I really don't like to fire people. Um, and you know, that seeing these guys who struggle for years finally get it, um, that is incredibly rewarding. And Amen. that that I would say that experience over and over and over. The more I can get it, the better. That's a great answer, man. Oh, yeah. I have yet to get one sponsee all the way through the steps. They all run away from me. It'll happen. (laughs) (laughs) I got hope. It'll happen eventually. And then I look at my sponsor and I'm like, you are so blessed, dude. Like, I swear, (laughs) everything he touches turns to fucking gold when it comes to sponsees. (laughs) You know, myself included. Like, I would have considered myself a lost cause. And then... He's sure. got a couple other guys that are doing really well now who are really in fucked up nice. situations. And right. And he's like, I am bro. He's like, I am. And he's yeah. like, but you are too. He's like, you just got a yeah. different niche. You know, he's like, you help a lot of people. You just help them in different ways. Yep. Um, yeah. but you're still making impact, you know? And I'm like, I guess yeah. so, you know, I know I am, I guess, but right. I'm like, I want that though. I want to do that one time. I want to, right, right. but right now, dude, right now I got this promising one, man, that, uh, he was yeah. an old, he was oh, an old nice. sponsee of mine. He's an older guy mm-hmm. and, uh, he's in his, he's in his, uh, I think he just turned 60 or he's late fifties. Oh, wow. He's going to kick my ass. Okay. This. But, uh, no, he, uh, he, we started working the steps we made it through like three and then he, uh, got diagnosed with cancer. So then he had to yeah. go to the, wow. he had to go down South of the, our state. So a few hours sure. away and he was in the hospital forever. And then they, they got a place yeah. down there. His wife moved into a place down there so she could be closer to him and they live there now. Mm-hmm. And then he just came back. He just started coming back right before the Rona thing to yeah. uh, grace recovery. It's like a, Mm-hmm. ministry meeting and okay it's like where we met you know like he was coming for yeah yeah at the time and he, mm-hmm. he started coming back to that and then all of a sudden he like started showing up to church again and then corona happened mm-hmm. well then when church opened back up i went to church mm-hmm. one weekend and seen him in the parking lot and he was like hey yeah. brother and we hug and then he was like so i yeah. uh, need a sponsor or I need a new sponsor. And I was like, yeah. Oh really? I'm like, so you coming back to me with your tail between your legs. He's like, no, no. I, he's like, I didn't go back out. I didn't do nothing. And I'm like, no, yeah, I'm just giving you shit, dude. But I said, hell yeah, let's do it. And I know he's already got like a couple years in at this point and he's uh, nice. 18 months cancer free. Mm-hmm. He beat, he beat the cancer. That's awesome. Yeah. And the dude is, awesome. uh, he's just a big teddy bear sweetheart of a guy, but I, I have a feeling yeah. that he, we're going to run through this shit because he's nice. already so deep in, you know, and he, yeah. Yeah. And he's noticing that he needs to do this work because he's made it right. this far and he's sponsoring guys, but he's never completed the fourth step, 
you know, he right. only made oh, it wow. to, he made it yeah. to starting his first. I don't even think he ever started it before. So oh, wow. right now we're back at that point. We did what steps one, two, and three in the last like month. And then mm-hmm. he's been a, a week, a week now since we met and I, I prepped him for the fourth, gave him some stuff and I yeah. was texting him the other day. Like you start your fourth step yet. And he's like, no, yeah. and tell any reasons. And I'm like, it's cool, <laughs> dude. I'm just asking, you know, but right, I was right. like, dude, and the paper, you know, <laughs> Yeah, 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 right. And so hopefully we're going to run through the yeah. rest and I'll, I'll be able to at least not be able to say that shit anymore. Right, right, right. Enough about me. I'm okay, sure so book out. recommendations. You got some good book uh, recommendations. recommendations. Yeah. yeah, Jesus' Son by um, Dennis Johnson. I think that's his name. Um, it okay, is like like Jesus book. is, like, like yeah, what Jesus like is. Jesus. Oh, G, G, so Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, apostrophe, like the son of... Oh, yeah, Jesus is... Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it is... Um, <laughs> Jesus is... <laughs> no, that was a good question. Um, yeah, it is um, It is probably one of my favorite books that I've ever read. Um, easily, it, it's probably my favorite book. Yeah, Jen... Dennis Johnson. Um, it's very short. It's a collection of short stories um, that are extremely well written. And that he was one of us. Um, he he died a while back, um, but they're all about you know drug use and and the people he was around. And it's just when I, I first read it like um, a year ago, I'd never heard of it. And it's you know this is and I've been writing um, like fiction and nonfiction for like four years really trying to make it happen. Um, and when I came across that book, it was like a whole new world uh, had opened up in front of me. Um, because it is just, it is an incredible book. I, and it's short, you know, it's like maybe not even 200 pages. So I don't think it's even 150. So pretty easy read. Huh? Yeah. That's cool. But it's also Jesus. So good. Yeah. Awesome. I've never heard that recommended on the show either or ever oh, i've never nice. even heard of it so thank you for that yeah i, always, I hadn't either you get a lot of like what people you know say the same stuff sure. and it's cool because right, right. that means that it's good right um, right right but it's nice every once in a while to have somebody just bust out some <laughs> shit that you've never heard of because you know i do right. actually personally even like to like check this shit out uh when, yeah when i have time you know and like it's for sure like I said, man, I want to dip into every pool I can find, you know? Yeah, definitely. Get those pearls of wisdom that work for me. Right. All right. Uh, and you might have already said it. Maybe. Maybe okay. you haven't. <laughs> best piece of advice you ever received. <laughs> the best piece of advice I ever, I've ever received. Um, I mean... I, th- I think it, you know, it wasn't necessarily advice, right? It was what that guy said to me, you know, do you really believe that God would bring you this far to drop you on your ass now? And I think it was, it was a form of advice, right? It was like, yeah, don't give you trust God, trust God, clean house, help others. It was trust God. Um, and for me, like cleaning house is important, obviously helping others is important, obviously, but if that trust isn't there, if my third step is not solid, if I don't 100%, um, you know, surrender myself to God, none of that other stuff will work. And I've seen that happen over and over and over where guys are carrying the message and they're, they're getting high in the bathroom before a meeting, you know, they're, 
they're, you know, sponsoring guys and they've been relapsed for two years and haven't told anybody, you know, that right. you have to have, you know, that trust in God more than those anything. secrets, man. Yeah. Those secrets. They're so they're they fucking are. eat you alive. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, it scares the shit out of me, honestly, because that's easy, you know, to make right. one mistake and think I can just yeah. sweep this one under the rug. But right, right, you're right. in fucking teeth, you're going to do it again because you're already heaping the secret. So now what's the matter? Man, right, I right. don't know. Yeah. It's That's just such a slippery, yeah, slippery slope. Dude. Yeah. Crazy yeah. shit. Well, man, this was really awesome, dude. Thank you. I'm super yeah, glad you I reached know. out. And yeah, you guys yeah, out there maybe. listening know that, you know, if you, if you leave us a voicemail on the voicemail line or if you send us an email at share at wayoutcast.com. You want to share your story. This is what happens. We reach out to you and we're going to get you on the show and we're going to give you a platform so you can share your experience, strength and hope, because that's what this is all about. You know, I learned from all of you so much more than you probably learned from me. <laughs> and I appreciate the hell out of you reaching out, man. Cause this has been yeah. awesome getting to know you. Thanks for bearing with oh, yeah. me. Uh, with the oh no, it's all good. Stupid Windows update, man. Delayed, <laughs> delayed this shit an hour and a half. You guys, I was like, just set it up. Yeah, I should have told my computer to wait. I'll do the update later. I got to remember right. That. Windows uh, doesn't like to listen. <laughs> man, I was like, geez, and with all this craziness going on in the world, this is like the biggest update ever right. in the history of the whole world. <laughs> But no, I really appreciate your time, man, and and getting to know you a little bit. Yeah, man. Yeah, and you're gonna get that nine years, brother. Yeah, gonna get God willing. Better leave us a message and let us know how you did it. I will. All right, bro. (laughs) Well, that being said, you guys take care out there, and we will catch you next time. Thank you for being a part of the way out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.